eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This, this is It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati with Lindsey Patterson and Mike Santagata. We are back on It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati. Lindsey Patterson, Mike Santagata. Mike, what is up? <sighs> Just getting ready to leave, to come to where some loyal listeners may be. But, uh, you know, getting ready to leave for three, four days. Um, yeah, coming to Cincinnati. You're off to Cincinnati. It's always it's always a, a fun time and hope you hopefully you enjoy your stay this weekend. We can't wait to hear about it and then your blue ice cream experience. Uh, By the way, my fiance is one of those people that very much listens and does so much yeah. over prep for everything. So she's watched mm-hmm. a thousand Kings Island videos and I'm like, dude, it's like an amusement park. I don't know. But I came down and I was like, Hey, did you ever hear this blue ice cream? She's like, Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, I just found out about it. Uh, I guess we gotta get blue ice cream. You have so. to get it. And we have to hear about it on the next podcast, you know, how you liked it. And I'll be completely honest with you. I've never had the blue ice cream. Everybody hypes it up. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm like, oh, yeah, you got to get the blue ice cream. And I'm like, never had it. But I know it's really popular at Kings Island. So get the blue ice cream. I can't wait to hear about it. And we'll get the full breakdown next Tuesday on the podcast. But that's going to be a lot of fun. You know, safe travels as you head to Cincinnati this weekend. You know, the Bengals, they continue that offseason program. I will say one of my favorite things today, and I'm sure you saw it on social media, the Twitter account went to some of the mentions and just called them all out. The Bengals yeah. social media. That was, that was probably my favorite part of today. They did a good job. The, they did. I, plenty of them I smiled about. I know. I mean, there was there was a, a, every single day. If you ever look at the comment section on their Twitter post, it's it's all other teams. So today was really they had fun with it. And um, I thought they did a really great job. But the Bengals continued their offseason program workouts. They're out there doing their thing. No Tyler Boyd or Jonah Williams yet, yet in Tyler Boyd. I feel like he'll be there for the mandatory camp in a couple weeks. Uh, but that isn't too surprising for me that he's he's not there right now. What about you? Yeah. Um, still not mandatory, but most most people are there. So yeah. that's nice. <laughs> well, I know we're going to talk about some people that are there. and they, they may or may not look better than we expect. We will get to all of that fun hype of uh, off-season workouts in just a moment, even though we did just talk about it. But there's some other players making some clips today as we record. 
you know, we're just going to let you know that you're going to hear this podcast on a Friday. We were recording on a Wednesday. So if there's any breaking news between now and then, uh, we apologize in advance. But yeah, when it comes to their programs, Jonah Williams, as Albert Breer mentioned about a month ago, it really sounds like Jonah is going to be back for the mandatory camp that the team will have uh, later in June. But Tyler Boyd, I still have a feeling he'll be back there. And, and we've already talked about it enough, but it just feels like this is going to be Tyler Boyd's last season in Cincinnati. And, and I, I don't think that impacts too much, but, you know, it could be a thought for Tyler Boyd right now. Yeah. Um, he's just you know, such a vet that <laughs> most of us, he could be there, he could not be there, in my opinion, it'd be just like, yeah, yeah. It, yeah. It's been years, you know. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not too worried either way. I mean, I guess it would be nice if he was there and then you get all the team opportunities, photos and whatnot, but I don't think this really affects anything. Yeah, I would say I'm just extremely impressed that T. Higgins is there. Out of all the yeah. wide receivers that could be there, T. Higgins being there when he doesn't have to be. And even Darren Simmons has said before, this is like nine free practices that they're getting with the team. So taking advantage of that with the offense, you getting the rookies out there, I feel like is it's extremely helpful and with this offensive line because – as we get closer to preseason, we're going to be doing that podcast where it's, do they play their starters for a whole quarter? Do they play them for a whole half? And getting these reps right now is extremely important. I mean, everybody remembers training camp last year and Joe Burrow was out with his surgery, unfortunately. And it was getting a little scary when Joe was on the cart for a little while thinking, is Joe going to be practicing soon? And uh, you could say it impacted week one. So I feel like all of this stuff is extremely important for a team that has uh, made their way to the AFC Championship and back to back years but speaking of the offseason program offensive line I'm gonna start with Lyle Collins because training camp last year his first time with the Cincinnati Bengals even during regular season when it was practice time Zach Taylor's really good at limiting their practices if he feels like you know what this guy's gonna come one day a week he's gonna watch on the sidelines we know he's gonna be ready for Sunday but Lyle was battling a back injury and then everybody knows on Christmas Eve he was injured uh brutal ACL injury for him but seeing a clip of him today when he's just a few months out of the ACL surgery and to be moving and moving around just fine, him sharing that clip. That's my favorite thing is when players share their workout clips and he seemed optimistic. I know some of the Twitter doctors, people who are professionals in the medical department, they were pretty impressed with what he was doing, but I think overall they agreed not going to be a week one guy or anything like that. Maybe it's a pup list for him and you see him halfway through the season as a depth piece or Maybe he's a rotational guy at your right tackle position. Uh, but right now, I, I'm optimistic that Lyle Collins is available on the field, not not to play right now. <laughs> yeah. Um, so normally I don't care, but that he did look a lot better than I expected. I mean, he looked almost better, you know, in that short clip moving than he might have last year. But uh, the real issue last year – wasn't knee related. It was the back thing. Can he sustain all that other stuff? We're not going to find that out. Uh, it does look like he's moving better than we expect. And that's great. I think that leans itself to maybe a quicker recovery than we are anticipating. So maybe not midway through the year, maybe it'll still be early year. Will it be week one? I think most people are skeptical of that because we're still five months out and the season will start eight nine months out somewhere around there and that would be pushing it a little bit i think that is similar to what burrow did because nine months is usually the recovery window where you 
won't re-injure yourself, but ah, man. I think the offensive line using that knee is so much force and so often compared to the quarterback where a lot of that is you hopefully aren't going to take too many shots to your knee, especially Burrow was his plant leg, not his drive leg. So he just had to make sure to keep his plant leg safe. And every time he ended up taking a shot there or something, it's like, oh, but when you're an offensive lineman, you can't really avoid that stuff too much. You're going to have to be heavy contact with that knee, um, a lot of force with that knee. So that's what you'd be worried about starting week one type stuff. I, Cause I do see the hype about that. Maybe calm it down a tiny bit, but I don't think this is one of those, Ooh, you know, he's slimmed down. This is the best shape of his life thing. I was like, Oh, this is kind of legit. Like he's, he's out there moving a lot better than I expected. And it doesn't look like he's really being dragged down too much by his injuries. So, like I said, I don't see it week one, but I mean, watching the video, maybe I'm buying the hype too much. I'm like yeah. week four, you know, like week five. I don't, I don't think that's unrealistic. That'll be 10, maybe 11 months out from the injury, not even the surgery. So I guess maybe that is a little, <laughs> a little bit, but it looks good. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm optimistic about it. And, you know, just overall at the right tackle position, there were conversations when I know how everyone feels about the price tag of Jonah Williams, but he feels like he isn't going anywhere. Um, he, he will be a part of this roster. And right now, Jackson Carmen getting those first team reps at right tackle. And, and that's good for Jackson Carmen. Um, I know there's a lot of hype surrounding Jackson Carmen when it comes to the offseason program, when it comes to the cliche things you hear about a football player when they're in the best shape of their life. They look great out there. Well, maybe there's a possibility that Jackson Carmen will be the right tackle. Um, I, I'm optimistic. And, and for the Lyle Collins situation, you know, he has a little bit of a price tag, too, when it's questionable and he may or may not be the starter when he is healthy. Um, is he going to be more of a depth piece? I think the Cincinnati Bengals, they budgeted. They know how much Lyle Collins was going to be going into the season. Same thing for Jonah Williams. Yes, they didn't have Orlando Brown in the books when all of those decisions were happening with the contracts of Lyle and Jonah Williams. But overall, I think that they know what ended their season over the last two years. It's still crazy to think what offensive line they had in the Super Bowl. And the same thing for the AFC championship game. People are hard on the Bengals' offensive line. I saw Dan Orlowski retweet a clip today. And, and look, Dan has always been really good at Joe Burrow and the Cincinnati Bengals, so I don't want to hammer him too much. But his thing was, you know, the Bills and the Jets have the best chance to beat the Chiefs this year. Uh, and the thing is, the Bengals played them in regular season. And I thought, well, that's kind of questionable not to add Cincinnati since they do have a three and one record with them. But he said, he added, yeah, Cincinnati is there too. But he's like, I still have questions about the right tackle position. And for me, that doesn't say for me, you can, I would agree. The right tackle position is a question mark, but overall, I wouldn't say I would think the offensive line last year that they had pretty much the majority of the season was good enough to beat the chiefs. And I would say it's upgraded right now. The whole thing was nonsense. You were yelling when you did it right on cue. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, the off season has lasted too long. If we are putting the Jets, who didn't make the playoffs, who added a quarterback who's 38 years old and you're hoping is playing at that level, who has never beaten the Chiefs, as far as I know, this, these Patrick Mahomes Chiefs, and especially hasn't done the playoffs, and I know that because I haven't been there. Mm -hmm. 
ahead of the Bengals because of I'm questioning the safeties and the right tackle a little bit. I have enough issues with the Bills in that discussion. The Jets one is just crazy to me. Like, how are you so far on the Jets? Like, there's how are there not questions with the Jets? Uh, you're looking at a team. Their offensive line's got a lot of questions. Mekhi Becton, is he even going to play right tackle? Is he going to try to play right tackle at all? Is, you know, Lakin Tomlinson going to play at his 49ers level? Or is he going to play similar to where he was last year? And all these other issues with them and – not just that, but, you know, good regular season defense doesn't always translate to being a good defense that can hold the Chiefs down. Uh, so I'm just going to ignore all that because I think that was one of the craziest parts of that. But the Bills, we don't have any questions about the Bills beating the Chiefs in the playoffs. Something we've never seen. The only team that has beat the Chiefs in the playoffs are, well, there's two. One of them still put together. The other one's not. One is the, what, 2020 Tampa Bay Buccaneers. 2021? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Tom Brady. Track of my ears. Yeah, Tom Brady's Buccaneers. And then the Bengals. And that's, and that's it. Well, I guess Tom Brady and the Patriots years, years ago. But in the past you know, a couple years since uh, Arrowhead has been basically the home of the AFC Championship game. It's only been the Bengals. The Bills didn't beat them, and the Bills were at home for that game when they lost in the last 13 seconds, I think, <laughs> hopefully. Uh, but, you know, they, they didn't beat them there. They haven't, they've beaten them in the regular season. I'll give them that. I just I personally think the playoffs are a different beast altogether. Mm-hmm. You're really putting together game plans, nothing held back for one opponent, sudden death. It, every game's a game seven, regular season, regular season. You know, you can drop that game and live, but you can't drop a playoff game and continue on, obviously. So I think teams empty the bag a little bit more. And we saw that with uh, the Bengals in the second half of the AFC Championship game when they went to the Super Bowl. And I think they were both throwing everything they had last year in that AFC Championship game. I just, I don't think a right tackle safety combination question would be enough to completely move me, move them down an entire tier as the only team that we've seen beat this Chiefs team. And then you're going to say, ah, you know, they're, they're, they're near there. What, with the Dolphins or <laughs> like, yeah. where, where's the line? Are they like, yeah, you know, they're like with the Chargers and with the ability to beat the Chiefs. Like, it's just ridiculous, but. I am choosing not to interact too much on Twitter. I already took the bait. You did. Um, I did too. Yeah. I took the bait on one thing and then it's like, okay, not, not everything needs a reaction. Sometimes you allow people to expel their hot gas. You kind of say to yourself, that's stupid and move on. Yeah. 100%. I agree with you. We're at the point of the off season where honestly, we're just getting started on those takes because we're going to hear it next week on another show. It could be Fox. It's going to be every week, another hot take. And, and the Jets seem to be the hot popular pick. Maybe they won the off season when it comes to national media. They're the darlings right now. Um, look, I like their defense, but overall I would still say there are question marks. And I said, and this might be a hot take. I, I feel like the Buffalo bills are still the favorite to win their division. Absolutely. I don't even have the Jets number two. I think the Dolphins are better. Nobody's talking about the Dolphins. They're better than they were last year. And they're, yeah. they were pretty good last year. I love the Vic Fangio move, adding Jalen Ramsey to that team. The offense, I don't think they lost anybody. Uh, you know, you just they add, you know, David H.A. in the draft. Not that I think that matters too much. But uh, they lost Mike Gesicki. 
Sorry, I'm going to get hammered for not mentioning that. Oh, you better. My thoughts on Mike Kosicki are different than a lot of people's. I think he's fine. I think he's really fun. I don't think he's an elite tight end. Um, but, yeah, I, I don't know why the Jets have moved ahead of the Dolphins. And it kind of reminds me – I mentioned this one place last – last year, it, the Jets right now remind me a little bit of what people were talking about with the Broncos last year where it's like they had a Russell Wilson and look at how good that defense was last year. And, and it's like, well, Russell Wilson is a 30 something year old quarterback who was injured last year and he didn't look great his last year before the injury. So could you get something similar? Will it be as bad? Probably not. I think that was a once in a, once in a blue moon thing where Russell Wilson turned completely into a pumpkin, but will he be Aaron Rodgers? I don't mean to just be hot takey show, but, I don't think we should also just say like, yeah, he'll be prime Rogers. He just wasn't engaged last year. You know that he didn't love the team last year. Now he's going to be really happy, you know, with Brees Hall and Garrett Williams and yada, yada. So Nathaniel Hackett, big part of both teams too. So there's a big connection. I, I love the hype. Keep all the focus on other teams. Let the Bengals secret. They have like, does the other part, because you mentioned all the hype. They both have like four primetime games in the first four weeks. <laughs> so yeah. if yeah. they're not good, we're going to be sick of it by week three. Just, just like, like the Denver Broncos, Broncos last year. Just like the Denver Broncos. And honestly, I said it. The AFC West last year hype reminds me so much of the AFC, AFC East this year. Mm-hmm. I, I wish that the AFC West was better so they would give the, the Kansas City Chiefs some competition. But Kansas City owns that division. I know Justin Herbert's in there too, but it's just – it's theirs every year. Um, They're – I try to make them an underdog. It'll never work. Uh, but yeah, I'm not buying the AFC East and maybe that'll come back and bite me and three teams will make the playoffs. But uh, that's where I'm at right now. Go ahead and hype up other teams. Let Cincinnati just quietly get there. Uh, but next, we'll go ahead and get to your Twitter questions. Thank you so much for sending them. You can follow along Bengals underscore Sands at LNDS Patterson on It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews, or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This, this is It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati with Lindsey Patterson and Mike Santagata. We are back on It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati. Thank you so much for sending over your Twitter questions. Double mailbag day for our Thursday podcast. We're going to start with a friend of the show, Carl. He says, what's the name of your podcast? <laughs> I had to reply, but I didn't think about taking that on the on air I was like I don't think you're going to hear any questions answered Carl it's always game day in Cincinnati as, as we <laughs> state 
I mean, it keeps it keeps everybody humble. I really like that, knowing that all of our listeners are out there in the Twitter world. Some of them that's don't. Why, even that's why we need you, loyal listeners, to rate and review the podcast, yeah. so that yep. way Carl can see it on his feed quicker. Yep. Carl, I hope you're listening to this. We did get to your Twitter question. We'll go next to Sydney Price. Who do you think will be our ninth or maybe tenth lineman? How about the wideouts behind Chase Boyd, Higgins, and Jones? Okay, ninth or tenth lineman? Do you think they do you think they have ten linemen on the active roster? If everybody's healthy, I would say this is Joe Burrow's best offensive line. Yeah. So you put together the, the starting five. You're right. And then we'll put Collins in there too. So, and then let's add Carmen because he could even win that right tackle job. So, what we're at seven. Yep. Um, you got your interior. Is it sharpening? Sharpening the interior back up. Eight. eight. So, I think that's a battle for nine with Ford, Adenogy, uh Ben Brown, Trey Hill. Yeah, they didn't. I mean, they didn't add a crazy amount of guys, especially when you're thinking of the depth. It's a lot of the similar depth. It's just you know you add Orlando Brown, and now you have a competition at right tackle, and maybe Jonah Williams is your six, or Jackson Carmen's your six, or Law Collins is your six. I, I don't know, but yeah, I guess when you're thinking of the ninth lineman on the team, that's probably going to make the team, um, and that is probably. I think it's going to be a backup center. So it still could be, I guess if you're going to do 10, then you could still have Ford slash identity and Law Collins and Jackson Carmen and Jonah Williams all on the roster uh, active roster. Cause we are assuming Collins probably starts pup and that's why you'll probably see at least these 10 and maybe you get to an 11th, but yeah, probably what Ben Brown or, Trey Hill, you need a backup center. That's what I keep thinking of. Is just you need a guy that can snap the ball. If they if something goes wrong, you need a guy that can come in and snap the ball. And from experience, it's pretty important to be comfortable shotgun snapping because I think you could quickly pick up the under center thing, but shotgun don't want to be skipping that ball back there or sending it over somebody's head because that was something I never really got very good at. Uh, but I tried. <laughs> I could do the under center stuff easy, but the shotgun, man, there was like a 10% chance I was going to launch it over somebody's head and we were all running backwards for it. I was getting nervous during the divisional game versus the Buffalo Bills that Ted Karras mm-hmm. was going to go down. And I thought, no way. No, this can't Trey happen. Hill would be coming in. I mean, in those conditions, I, I just thought, you know what? Need you, Ted. Need you for a couple more weeks. Just get through it. And he was able to power through. I don't even know you know, what he was dealing with, but uh, that made me nervous. And that still makes me nervous when it comes to the center backup position. Big day. This was actually a question I was thinking as you were talking, and it's a really good point. What is wrong with Dalton Risner from a performance POV that we, along with the rest of the NFL, why haven't they signed him? I think he wants to be a starter. And I don't know if other teams see that. I see it. Still, I would sign him as a starter. Uh, I haven't grinded the let's ride Broncos tape to see if he's still playing at that level. But in my mind, when I've watched him, I watched him definitely in 2020. I think also in 2021, just haven't seen 2022, at least a little bit 2021, because I wanted to watch Quinn Miners and uh, he, you know, on the same team. (laughs) Uh, So I... 
I've always thought he's a, at least a starting level talent. I think if you brought him in, he would compete with Volson for that starting left guard job. The thing is, does he does he just want to be named the starter? Mm-hmm. Because he has enough starts, uh, this enough of a career to probably think that he should have that. And in my mind, there's probably a job for him somewhere out there, at least in a vacuum. But that's my guess. If it's not that, then there's there has to be something medical or otherwise, because he's not bad enough to not get a job. It's not a performance thing, I don't think. Um, but like I said, I haven't grinded the Let's Ride Broncos. Maybe he fell off a cliff, and I don't know that. But from I, I haven't seen anybody say that. So I follow plenty of offensive line guys, and they haven't said that. Um, I am more interested, and I'll bring it up again. Like I brought it up a few times, is Chase Rulier, just because I'm not sure Dalton Risner has played much center, and that's more what I'm worried about is getting a backup center, somebody who could snap the ball from that. And I think they have been similar level players for their career. So, um, yeah, it looks to me like Dalton Risner has just played left guard. Wanted to look that up real quick. Well, uh, to be determined on where he goes, but that could be a possibility because you can look around the league and everybody needs an offensive line piece. And for him to be available still, it's kind of questionable. But yeah, you're looking for that starting role and, and starter money. Vienna Jeff says, if the commanders cut Chase Young post June 1, would the Bengals have interest? I'm sure everybody would. <laughs> I, I am a little less bullish on Chase Young than I think a lot of people are. I don't think he's there yet as a pass rusher, but he's a really good run defender. And there's a lot of potential as a pass rusher. There's no reason that any team wouldn't be in on that. I think it's more likely that they'd probably make a trade because they draft that guy second overall. I don't think they're going to cut him. Um, trade? Possibly. Are the Bengals interested enough to trade for him? Probably not. I, I think you know, they drafted Murphy, they, all that other stuff. They probably feel good about their edge room. If he was just a free agent and he went, I loved Ohio, I want to come back. <laughs> Yeah, sure, they're interested enough. Uh, but um, trading and trying to make a more realistic move like that, I don't I don't see it. I'd welcome it. I think he would be an awesome addition. I just I, he's probably not gonna play for the Bengals this year. That would be a wild story. Uh, if Chase Young was playing on Joe Burrow's squad. I mean, I just I, I don't think that lasted as long as the soul and the Jamar Chase, but there are probably just like a sprinkled few people who thought Chase Young should be in Cincinnati, which is very that possible. Was, that's insanity, though. I mean, it right? is, absolutely. You somehow get the first overall pick, and you want to skip that for a defensive. I, I wasn't on Twitter for this. This is how recent I have been Good. on Bengals Twitter, uh, right after Joe Burrow got drafted, basically. But I didn't know that was a thing until people talked about it, and I was like, how? Like, what the argument was, let's skip quarterback? Um, I mean, I guess the argument is you don't want to bring a quarterback into a bad situation, but news, this is news for everybody. You're going to be in a bad situation if you're getting drafted in the top five, top 10. It doesn't matter if they had Chase Young or not. They're probably picking in that spot the next year, just like they did. And they got, you would miss some Jamar Chase to try to draft one of those quarterbacks. And I mean, if you don't get Trevor Lawrence at one, who Trey Lance, Justin Fields, maybe. Yeah, no, this all sounds like a nightmare story. Yeah, um, right. But but here's so you don't I think, skip a quarterback where you pick a number one overall. That would be insane. Here's the scenario. I I think you're if you're the commanders, you're upset that you didn't draft Justin Herbert. 
Mm -hmm. at at number two versus Chase Young, to be completely honest with you. In a quarterback league, that's very questionable. I know the hype was there for Chase Young. I totally get it. Uh, But, man, you you look at how the court – even the Dolphins could have said – Yeah, they might have had – they might have had Tua ahead. Who knows? Yeah. Um, Yeah. Tua went ahead of Herbert? Mm -hmm. Yeah, man. It's hard thinking back that far. Yeah. Tua went ahead of Herbert. I think a lot of people thought Tua was going to be the number one pick until Burrow had that insane season. So maybe they draft Tua instead. And I find that to be an interesting discussion with how Tua played last year. Tua versus Chase Young. That would be interesting. Uh, yeah. I I don't know. What a good decision. That I don't know if that would have been a good decision. And that's I don't not, know either. I don't know. I don't know. But but overall, I think there was communication. So here's the scenario. And look, I was a day one draft Joe Burrow. I remember I was talking to Austin over at PFF. He had told me it was the tank for Tua in August. That was kind of yeah. the scenario for a lot of teams. But after Joe Burrow's Texas game, he says, no, it's Burrow. Burrow is the number one quarterback in college football right now. That's and then he goes one. on. You think week one was it? I can't remember when the Texas game was. I thought it was the in The Texas September. game was, I think, opening. I think that was oh, the opening game. For week them. one, the, the decision of, hey, Joe Burrow is number one. But obviously, Joe had an insane 2019. It was a very easy decision for the Cincinnati Bengals. And honestly, I don't know about you, but I was watching the college football playoff thinking, just get out. Just get out of the game. Just win the game. Get out because you're coming to Cincinnati and you're going to be good to go. And I, that, that was kind of fun to watch as knowing pretty much Joe Burrow was coming to Cincinnati during the end of the college football season. But I think the overall thing when it comes to, I, I hate even making this a topic because it's absolutely silly. I'm so glad the Bengals drafted Joe Burrow. Mike Brown, uh, the Miami, I don't, I think it was Miami Dolphins called Mike Brown and said, Hey, we're going to give you just tons of first round picks. It was, it was more than two. And Mike Brown just pretty much said, you, we will not trade our number one pick. You could offer anything you want. We are going to draft Joe Burrow. And I don't know if other front office would have thought of that. And even if they would have been like they were picking in the top five, they were picking in the top six and getting another quarterback in that 2020 class. I'm just so glad they stuck with their guns and said first round pick Joe Burrow. They stayed there. They didn't get Chase Strong. No offense to Chase Strong, but I just do not see that happening. And I agree with you. I think that the commanders are going to trade him. He'll go to another team. Well, we have- uh- I think the most likely thing is he just stays. Really? Yeah. Is it that fractured? I feel like I'd be hearing more. He's not there right now, but it's not mandatory. He hasn't demanded a trade yet, right? No, but they didn't pick up the fifth-year option. I know that doesn't mean I know that part. That's that's injury-related, and I think that they, like me, and maybe this is confirmation bias, maybe don't see him as an elite player just yet. They think he's good. So fifth-year option is a lot of money. Yeah, I, I agree with that. We'll go ahead and get to uh, one more question before we finish up this segment. Our, I'm butchering your name. I'm going to call you FC. I know it on Twitter. You're a great Twitter uh, Bengals fan, and I love your content. He says, this is a two-parter. Traditionally, left tackle was seen more as a finesse due to the rushers, and right tackle was more power. Is that still true in today's NFL? How will Jonah Williams translate to the right side as opposed to the left? In my Is my previous question still true? I don't think that's been true the last decade or so. And the real good example of that is the best offensive line in the league, the Philadelphia Eagles. Their left tackle is a massive mauler and their right tackle is an awesome athletic pass protector. So they just went the opposite way and it's worked out really, really well. Um, yeah, I I see them. I see your tackle as get 
wherever they're more comfortable on the field. I don't think you have to try to force body types into either spot. The Bengals typically have kind of been the, you know, well, actually, look at them this year. Orlando Brown, big, giant mauling type, and they're not going to force him to right tackle. They're fine with him at left tackle, and they'll piece the other the right tackle, whether that's Jonah, which would be more of a left tackle in the 2000s of, you know, finesse pass protecting type. I know he had whatever you think of him otherwise, but that would be his mold of player. Or they go Collins and just go both massive maulers. I don't know. But, yeah, I, I haven't seen that as – as important since they really changed a lot of scheme up in the NFL and been so pass heavy with the rule changes and whatnot. When, whenever they move to mostly shotgun stuff, the blind side thing kind of goes away because you've, you've got the whole field in your vision rather than having to take five steps and a drop facing one direction. Basically, I think the blind side stuff gets a little bit overrated now and, uh, with that, I don't think you need the mauling right tackle either. Uh, you should, I think most coaches probably want to be able to have a guy that can maul on either side and be able to run either direction. Not, we need to put our best run defender on one side because that's where their run blockers are. And we got our pass rushers wherever else, you know, that I don't think they want to be tip things off as much. Yeah. When it comes to Jonah Williams on the right side, we don't, we just don't know what it's going to look like. Mm-hmm. Nobody does. And, and uh, any offensive line guru, Duke Manyweather has even said it, that that isn't an easy transition when you flip sides for, for a tackle that, that when we always kind of wanted to flip guys, Hey, make this guy play this position, make him do this position. It sounds fun. It sounds great. But for the player, you don't set them up for success. We just don't know what it's going to look like for Jonah Williams. It is going mm-hmm. to be a wait and see pretty much eight years since he did it right i think mm-hmm. when he was like a freshman at alabama maybe nine years i mean he's probably pushing nine years it's been a long time and from what i understand he's been a better he was better at left tackle than right tackle at alabama so there is plenty of projection there i don't think it should be an abject disaster is my only thought of he's done it before so i think the floor is you know not good mm-hmm. like it could be bad but i don't think it would look like oh my goodness this guy he can't play right tackle which is not to take too much of a shot what i assume the chiefs thought when they had Juwan taylor start taking steps at left tackle and they're like oh boy we gotta call donovan smith <laughs> i just want it. i just want everyone to stay healthy that's all i ask yep Stay healthy the whole entire season, Joe Burrow included. I want to see him cook with a legit offensive line for the first time in his NFL career. Ah, um, they were look, healthy last year until. I mean, it was. And that's the thing. Bombers. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say this right before we get to our next segment. But people hammered that offensive line. And I thought it was okay towards most of the season. Uh, pretty much getting after the Thursday night football game when everybody was getting you know the reps together. I'm like, okay, this is going to work. I like this offensive line. And. I'll never forget Alex Kappa going down in the coin flip game against the Ravens. And that could have been, never mind. Never mind. We'll move on. It was dominoes. I mean, it was literally Collins, but two games, three weeks. Yeah. Because of the bills thing, Kappa. And then the next week, Jonah. And now you're like, well, most teams aren't eight deep at offensive line, especially two at the same position group at tackle. And came back to bite them. They didn't even play well in the Kansas City Chiefs game, and they still had a shot. 
No, I'm never going to forget that. I can't they imagine. Played, they played bad. <laughs> the Kansas it's, it's like terrible. I, I thought, you know what? This is the Kansas City Chiefs revenge. They're going to just absolutely destroy the Cincinnati Bengals. And then they just came back after playing really sloppy. And if you would have had maybe even one of those offensive linemen, that could have been a difference. Maybe I'm being optimistic. Or even Tyler Boyd not getting hurt. But, you know, we're not going to. We're not going back. We're not going back. Every day I think about it, Ron Torbert, Torbert and his crew. But, um, you know, we'll move on to more of our Twitter questions next on It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This, this is It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati with Lindsey Patterson and Mike Santagata. We are back on It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati. Really, really appreciate you sending your questions. A lot of good stuff. Definitely offensive line heavy, so we'll get to another one. Adam Wheel says, if you got to pick one player on both sides of the ball to make a huge improvement, who would it be? I'm inclined to say someone on the offensive line because Carmen or Volson making big leaps could be amazing. Plus, we have multiple more years. As for our defense, maybe if you could pick someone on the defensive side of the ball that you say, this person's really going to see a lot of improvement, even though the defense has been legit for the last couple of years. Okay. Um, I agree with him. It would be offensive line. I don't think you really need to think of anybody else. Mm-hmm. I guess a Drew Sample breakout year of like 700 yards would be funny <laughs> and very useful, but also just like, where was this? Uh, but yeah, we'll go offensive line. I think the easiest one would be um, Volson. It's yeah. just, he makes a huge leap, right? And I do think he got the second one right in Carmen. I think the most fun because of how excited I was for it would be Lyle Collins playing like he did in 2020, 2021. That would be awesome, right? That would be that would be the one that it wouldn't be the best for the team from a long-term standpoint. It would pretty mm-hmm. much just be what this year. <laughs> It'd be so much fun though. He was so good in Dallas. I thought he was a top five right tackle when he was playing out there. And then the injuries were just more than we thought. And he was never playing a top five right tackle level here in Cincinnati. So the smart move is that Volson, if I if I got to wave the wand, it would be make Volson a plus plus starter, like, you know, maybe almost Pro Bowl level starter. And then you've got him for what, like less than a million dollars the next three years. And that would be a lot of surplus value. Is that your move for uh, the offense or are you on the Drew Sample 800 yards, 10 touchdowns? I hope Drew Sample is a blocking ten in his whole entire time out there. That's all I hope for Drew Sample. Um, no offense. I, honestly, you know what I'll say? He's um, He didn't play on the team last year, but I'll say Herb Smith. 
Um, it's been, okay. you know, the tight end look to get paid after playing with Joe Burrow for at least one year. I know CJ Uzamo was with Joe during his rookie year too, but it just seems like they really flourish. And, and some of the yeah buts with Herb Smith is, yeah, but he gets hurt all the time. Can this guy stay healthy? And maybe I'm just rooting for the guy. It's probably going to be one year in Cincinnati. Um, he's still a young guy, a lot of upside. So I would say maybe Herb Smith in that role, even though he didn't play on the Cincinnati Bengals last year, because they do, they need him to step, step up. And I know he's kind of a different tight end receiver mm -hmm. that's a fun one that i didn't think of because he wasn't on the Bengals last year but yeah improving from where he was at minnesota to cincinnati whether that's consistency with health or that's even getting better as a player too this is so, totally oh, we didn't do the defensive side yeah do the defense now that's the one i was thinking about you got it first time. you got it first okay this is so hard i would say I'm, I'm thinking of every position group going through my head right now. And, I, you know, I think of the defensive line because that's still a weak link for this team. You got to get pressure on the quarterback and maybe having Miles Murphy and Joseph Asai out there rotating the pieces in. It's really going to put pressure on them. I'm going to go secondary. And all eyes are on this guy. It's going to be Dax Hill. And I know that isn't fair because we didn't get to see Dax Hill really that much in the role in the safety position as rookie year. But I think I would say I would want to see. It, it's hard to answer. I'm saying Dax Hill, but I wouldn't even say like there's room for improvement because we really didn't see Dax Hill last year. But it's kind of a lazy take. So that's where I'll go. No, I think that's probably my first thought was Dax Hill make, you know, he plays at safety and he plays at an above average level to start the year or something. I think. I really want to say like Joseph Osai, but how much of an impact will an improved Joseph Osai have? Like it'll be there, yeah. but I think you get a better impact if somehow Cam Taylor Britt just becomes a lockdown, shutdown corner. That would be fun. A uh, big bully corner. And he's just locking guys down, shutting down his side of the field. Cheeto can take his time getting healthy. They don't need that cornerback one. We've got it in Cam Taylor Britt. So maybe that would be a fun wave of the wand. Other than that, Osai makes a lot of sense. Just, you know, they need that pass rusher. Maybe you make, maybe if you could be particular with the wand, you make it so he's a really, really good interior pass rusher <laughs> to go with being a good outside rusher. Mm -hmm. And now it makes sense where you can fit him onto the field. It's just like, well, you put him at three tech and he's got to dominate these guards or something. But yeah, I guess uh, it's either Dax Hill or Cam Taylor Britt for the most impact for me because they're going to be full time starters. They're going to play like 900 snaps. Yeah, and you want those guys to stay healthy, obviously. Um, and what is Cheeto going to look like? Uh, obviously, his Instagram live videos, everything looks really impressive with Cheeto back out there. He was injured on Halloween night. Um, you, you think about the secondary room, even the rookies on the bench. I don't think that Lou wants to throw him out there yet, but uh, that'll be that'll be something to see. Yeah, I, I think the defense is just so fun. It really is. And it's crazy to say that when you look on the offensive side and you have all those weapons and Joe Burrow at quarterback. But I really look forward to what uh, the, this defensive line will look like. I, I want... Trey Hendrickson to get a couple breathers, you know, on the sideline and, and he doesn't have to be out there all the time and maybe you can rotate these pieces in. Um, so that's something to watch. This is totally random and it's not a question, but we've talked about offensive line pretty much on 90% of our podcasts the whole entire offseason. And you could say even during regular season. I just noticed this recently, and we've talked about Jonah Williams on the right side. We talk about Jackson Carmen, Cordell Volson, Alex Kappa, Tech Hears, Orlando Brown, since he signed. Doesn't it feel like he's really embraced this city in this role and, and just kind of really enjoyed I, the Anthony Munoz interview I heard on Dan Horde's podcast. And it just really seems like this guy is, I hope he plays well and it all goes well for him on the left tackle side, but 
I've just been really excited to see what, what Orlando is going to look like. Yeah, I feel like he's done a lot of things that he's went above and beyond to ingrate himself into the city and make it feel like a home rather than a mercenary type where it's like that they, they paid me i'm here uh you know made it more made it more feel more homey you know the the interview with anthony, anthony muñoz also the thing with the mayor for the schedule mm-hmm. release you know all he's he's at the forefront of a lot of this uh all we need now is um uh, uh, the what the skyline trying the skyline and saying it's good i thought you were going to say the revenge game against the chiefs that's yeah that too but that's way down the line I yep mean, Yep, got to get that in 2024. Or no, it's on New Year's Eve. Sorry, the day before 2024. Uh, but yeah, I'm excited about Orlando Brown. We've just we always talk about offensive linemen, and I just feel like uh, I never bring him up, and and he just seems to be really embracing his own Cincinnati. Well, him, him, Karras and Cap are probably the guys you you feel like you know what's going on. So <laughs> while we do a lot of offensive line talk, I feel like most of it is left guard, right tackle. You're right. Else, We're rarely else talking about Karras like, or Alex Cap. Yeah, like. Rock solid. All right, let's move on. Let's hit the positions that we don't know if they are. Well, that's totally true. And and I'm okay with that. Just like I, I never want the the official to mention their names. I, we're okay not mentioning Orlando Brown, uh, Ted Karras, or Alex Kappa. Let's talk about the other positions and hopefully they turn out okay. We'll go to Brian. He says, when you are in deep in debate about player rankings, what's your go-to metrics for offensive line, pass rushers, cornerback, wide receivers, and quarterbacks? Ooh, offensive line, I don't think there really is one. I think you just got to watch. And um, there's smart guys that do some ranking tier type stuff. You know, Brandon Thorne always releases at least the top 15 at each position. So you can use that. I just, I, I don't love the PFF stuff. I think it's so, I'm, I just think it's so. Uh, Bad? <laughs> I'm trying not to say that. Uh, I don't think it's terrible. I just. Offensive line is a position that I think is dependent on a lot of factors, whether that's the scheme or the guy they're going up against and whatnot. And that's just something that they don't really take into account. So, you know, being asked to do less against a lesser opponent and doing your job well gets you a better grade than being asked to do more against a greater opponent and doing okay. And I don't really think that's right. So I there's there's a lot of reasons for that. I just think you have to watch. I think some of those other ones are interesting. Quarterback almost feels similar where it's like there's a lot of stuff out there, but it's a really dependent position. Not that they're dependent on other people to be good, but their stats are dependent on other people being correct, mm-hmm. you know, catching the ball, tracking the ball down the field, et cetera, et cetera. I guess if you're going to look at one. No idea. No idea. I'm just going to skip past it. Mm-hmm. Okay. So what, there was pass rusher. There was uh wide receiver. Yep. Those two. Okay. You were in quarterback. I think with pass rusher, instead of pressures or sacks, I usually like to look at uh, quarterback hits as my first thing, because that I believe encompasses every time. And they are juicing these numbers anymore. I see defensive linemen in the past, I don't know, five years, always will put a hand on the quarterback as they go by trying to get the stat guy to list it as a quarterback hit. But that means they actually got close. That's not a pressure that, you know, he came in wild and it wasn't really an effect on the play or a pressure that came really, really late and he can't even touch the quarterback type thing. 
these are, you know, they're hitting the quarterback. They're laying a, a solid hit on them. They were there. They were just a tiny bit late. So I like those. I like looking at that. And then I look at the sacks and the pressures and everything else. I think that is a, a one position you can look at for at least pass rushing and kind of get a feel for how good they may be um, at affecting the quarterback. Wide receiver. The easy ones like yards. <laughs> Maybe that's too stupid. I don't know. Maybe it's it's too basic. But in my mind, it's like the first thing I look at is like, what are they like a fifteen hundred yard guy, a twelve hundred yard guy, and the consistency with that. I, I think you also want to look at like yards per target. Every time they get targeted, how often are they catching it? And when they catch it, you know how many yards does that go for? I think that's a good efficiency stat. Is looking at yards per target, catch percentage. Um, your average depth of target and that's not to see how good they are that would be to see what type of receiver you are are you just deep balls only 20 plus average depth of target or are you like the jarvis landry seven yards average depth of target everything's underneath and that usually correlates with your catch percentage if if you're getting a lot of deep targets you're probably not catching all of them if you're getting a ton of deep ton of underneath targets you're probably going to catch a lot of those and that's where yards per target could matter where it kind of factors in you know catching the same you know the impact of each one but i think that's another one you can probably get a, a quite a bit from statistics uh did i hit all of them or was did they i feel like these, you did i mean defensive you were backs defensive were backs i mean nothing i don't know <laughs> i i dislike a lot of the like yards allowed stuff for defensive backs because you know you have to charge those to somebody and when you're playing zone and you you're supposed to let that up or maybe the guy that's charting doesn't really know the job of the guy because he's going through a million plays a day. <laughs> and he's just kind of like quickly jotting down, like, whose fault is this? And might be wrong on that. So, and also you can get beat and the guy drops the ball. I, I feel like corner and safety and offensive line are the three most like watch those guys. Quarterback kind of in there too. So right. I hit a lot of those. I'm sorry if I missed any. I thought that was a really great question. I enjoyed that. I think it was, that was yeah. Down, honestly, uh, we get a lot of, and, and I love all the questions, but we get we go so offensive line heavy because I think that's a big question mark for this team. Well, we just said it really wasn't, but right tackle conversation. And, and that was, I really enjoyed that. And more of, uh, you brought up something we've already talked about. You said, what if uh, Dallas Lyle Collins returns to right tackle this year? And we said that would be great. So we'll Top five on. right tackle in the entire league when he was in Dallas. Sign me up. Sign me up. Yep. Go ahead and get that role. I don't care if twelve millions on the bench. If I'm getting that, if I'm getting that Lyle Collins, so uh, we'll go to since you know about. It. I actually like this question. He goes, "Is there a single piece of Bengals swag, hat, jersey, towel, whatever that you think needs to make a comeback?" He said, "The classic CB hats from 1968, for example." This, I think, is a better question for you. Yeah, I'm a vintage. I will say this: I'm a vintage person when it comes to uh, sports attire. I don't wear jerseys. They're great. I will buy jerseys for people, but I won't wear them. I love the 90s, 80s version of any Bengals attire. I honestly wish my dad would have kept all of this stuff because I could finally wear it now, and it's really cool. Um, I would say anything with the Leaping Tiger. I am a huge Leaping Tiger fan. It could be the ball cap. It could be a sweatshirt. That I wish the Cincinnati Bengals would just do it for one game, put it on the center of the field. Maybe it's one of the wideouts that they decide to do, and they'll do it. But that's one of my favorites of the Cincinnati Bengals. That was my first thought was Leaping Tiger on a hat, on a shirt, on a 
or the jersey. I don't know. Do they? I... They did Corey Dillon jersey. If you look back on, no, no. I was gonna say, do they do any throwbacks for current players with that? That'd be a fun one. That would be cool. Yeah, getting like a Joe Burrow, but it's like '90s. Well, bad juju, but yeah, <laughs> '90s leaping tiger looks cool, and getting that jersey would be pretty fun. So that would be my thing too. I love the leaping tiger. Early, early aughts with the tiger in the middle of the field. I wish it was back. Do it for one game. I, I've been saying Do it for it. sixteen games. Do it for every game. Do it for nine <laughs> home games. Um, but I mean, it would be so easy. And I actually like the LSU Tiger Eye. I think that would be cool. But they will—they'll never go away from just kind of having the brand of the team in the middle of the field. I don't yeah. know. Maybe it's in the end zone or something like that. I think that would be really cool to see. Uh, but yeah, I love old school Bengals gear. I wanted to make a comeback. Unfortunately, since the Cincinnati Bengals are good, it's expensive now. You can't get a nice, like, old-school sweatshirt or T-shirt for under $50 or $60 if you can send them to me. Uh, so that's the unfortunate part because that stuff used to be pretty cheap. No, it's not. Uh, we'll get to one more question because we are running a little bit late on this, but great Twitter questions. We're not going to get to all of them. But Shane says, why is everyone so low on Travion Williams and so high on Chase Brown? Uh, because we haven't seen Chase Brown. So in college, he was really good. Now you're going to kind of conflate that with like, he's going to be really good in the NFL, which is certainly possible. And we've kind of seen Travion Williams, but also I think, you know, Travion Williams has been on the bench a long time. So people aren't really thinking about him that much like that. I agree with you though, with the idea that we should probably adjust. I think you should right now probably have the split as for the backup job behind Joe Mixon, like 50, 50. Like if you're thinking of trying to figure out the snap counts, something like 50, 25, 25% of the, of the pie. And maybe that's actually more like 40, 30, 30 or 60, 20, 20. I have no idea, but you know, 50, 25, 25 is what is in my mind right now. Mix is going to take half the snaps and then you're going to split the other two between Chase Brown and Travion Williams. And I'm not sure everybody's doing that because some people just think like, well, Chase Brown's going to take that job. We haven't seen Travion Williams do anything. And uh, yeah, that, that would be my quick thought. I think Travion Williams right now might have the P Ryan role. Uh, it seems like that's how they talk about it. Yeah. And one of my things that's really refreshing at this point, we're almost in June, we can just pretty much say that Joe Mixon's going to be on the squad and we don't have to talk about the questionable if Joe Mixon's going to be RB1 or anything like that. He's going to be on the team. So I'm kind of excited about that conversation being over and hopefully Joe Mixon has a great season and this might be his last one in Cincinnati. So um, I do look forward to Travion Williams and Trace Brown when it comes to that role, what that looks like for RB2 when it comes to the snap count. But that's plenty on the offense. The defense, really great questions. Honestly, appreciate you guys sending those. Bengals underscore Sands. You can follow me at LNDS Patterson. I know you're taking a little bit of a break, but if people missed it, what's up on all Bengals over the last month? A lot of the prospects um, and the first four guys are done. I'm going to try to get the fifth one done. And then it's probably a little bit of a break. Cool. Make sure you check that out again. Follow along. Great clips, tweets, everything on Twitter. I've already shared it, but I'll do it again. Bengals underscore Sands and check them out on all Bengals. And thank you for listening to It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati.